Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Good evening, everybody. How y'all doing? Week is winding down. I hope it's been whatever you needed it to be. Focusing a lot on self-care, joy, pleasure, and a lot of rest. Uh, Busy times. Still waiting on that vaccine, still seeing a lot of closures, still seeing people not following the rules, thereby reinforcing those closures. People are losing their jobs, their finances, their lives. It's a mess, y'all. Let's be a little less individualistic and self-centered and continue to care about the impact we have on others. I was blessed to get brought back onto a set. I was so thankful to shoot again. Um, Shot something for Hulu and Nightline. We were all COVID tested. We were all masked. We were all kept outdoors. We were all almost, I think it was about almost 12 feet apart. Like they, the protocols were definitely in place and that's the way it's gotta be. People need to continue to try to make a living and an income, but we need to do it following the rules. And going to a house party and going needing to go to a bar and all those different things just aren't worth the risk, I don't believe. And if they are for you, please consider the impact you have on others and uh, do it smartly. There's There are ways that we can do it where we follow the rules. Um, holidays are coming up, so we continue to talk a lot about a new perspective on them. Everyone's doing their best right now. Um, Let's talk about some things you can do though, knowing that the holidays are coming up. And this is more for those that are gonna maybe be spending it alone. So know that first off, you don't have to spend it completely alone. Maybe there's someone else you can meet up with for a walk, socially distanced, outdoors, make sure maybe you build in time on the phone, whether it's Zooming or FaceTime with family members or someone else you care about, or not, just plan the day. Um, You can plan to ignore the day, plan to still have a day, listening to music, watching the movies, preparing the foods, but have a routine. That's something I'm offering everyone just in general right now. The more structure and routine you have, the more you'll feel like you're active and alive and somehow participating in life and the world. And that's important. Some people feel like they don't even know if the world's still going on out there. And the day seems endless, right? There's like this drift where, what time is it? What day is it? Having some kind of structure, routine, or plan can make us feel like we're anchored in something. Holidays are that way as well. Even though it can sound really good to just sleep till whenever and do whatever, in fact, if that is the truth for you, go for it. But for others, that's just an ideal. They're romanticizing that, and it doesn't really feel that way. So you might want to have a plan. What are you going to eat? What are you going to watch? And kind of create a day. Again, I'm offering that to most people in general. Every day the night before in the morning, you might want to kind of plan some things to do, some achievements, some milestones. Rest is one of them. Hobbying is another thing. I'm down with all that. It doesn't have to be income generating or work-based, but I think we need to just be focusing on having things happening. Again, it keeps us alive. It makes us feel like we're participating in something, helps our mental health. It kind of anchors us in our day and our time. So focus on a routine, build a routine. Also do things that are creative. There's something really... um, 
it kind of hits all the different elements we need. It also wakes us up. It also keeps us feeling just curious and interested. So it's kind of like a workout for the brain because right now in the time like this, we can feel like it's kind of flattening, like everything's kind of feeling low level, a little bit of depression. Creativity though is a way, like I said, to really challenge ourselves, to bring some joy, some dynamicism into our day right? Because again, we don't have to completely give up on everything. <clears throat> we still have access to some things, right? And that's why we're still going out of the house, getting some fresh air, getting some sunlight. We don't want to just sit there watching movie after movie after movie after movie. However, like I talked about earlier, I'm happy that some of these studios are just dropping their films on us. They're not making us wait until we can get back to the movie theaters. I think that's phenomenal because I'm personally running out of things to watch. And so I'm constantly looking to hobbies. Like I'm working and I'm blessed. I know not everyone has the ability to be working right now. And that's a very powerful anchor and form of structure for a lot of people. So those of us that are still working, we are so thankful for that. But for those that aren't, you can still do something with that time if you choose to. Uh, set some kind of goal, learn some new things, get involved in a hobby if that's what you want to do. But again, it's about that structure. Otherwise, you can kind of just feel like you're floating. And I just wanted to share one positive thing I saw in the news. I thought this was really great. So Time Magazine, their first ever kid of the year. I, I guess it's always an adult. It's a 15-year-old scientist tackling social issues. First off, I love that it's a girl. I love that it's a girl of color. I love that it's a child. Really just normalizing all the diversity that can happen in terms of the world of science, but also achievement. So props to you, uh, Time Magazine, for putting this girl on your cover. Um... Gitanjali, and uh, what does she do? She's a scientist, I love this. She's 15, okay, lives in Colorado, and has inventions, ready, that tackle things like contaminated drinking water, which is a huge deal in so many places, cyberbullying, and opioid addiction. Talk about a wealth of interest and topics to tackle that are all important, but also very disjointed, centered in social justice. So I love her uh, mission statement. Very broad though, <laughs> but I love that. I, I, I so align with that. I think all my interests are very broad as well. But again, the bigger point is just at any age of any background, um, people are able to accomplish a lot. And some people can't and they don't because of a lot of systemic and institutional roadblocks and issues. But I'm glad that we're able to honor um, those that are somehow able to work through that or get supported through that. And children, they have something valuable to provide. Adultism is always this idea that adults matter most. Children have a lot of worth and value. And so I like us honoring what children can bring to culture. They are um, not just the future, they're also the present. They're the right now and they have something meaningful to offer. So I'm glad we're looking at that. All right, y'all, question of the night, as always, is up on our Love Lenny G page. Some DMs, and then we're gonna be talking later in the show about signs of abuse, things that have been kind of normalized, unfortunately, but are actually abusive. Listening to Love Line with Dr. Chris on the new channel Q and radio.com. All right, we're back, and we're gonna talk about a really important topic, as always, centering on mental health. We talk in our culture, very solidly and openly about physical health and physical complications. No one's uncomfortable really sharing about that. No one's uncomfortable hearing about that. But as soon as you turn the topic to mental health, everyone gets a little more fragile. 
it's a lot, it's something that a lot of people have privacy around and, and anxiety. And, you know, you just don't talk about that because you won't be seen as a competent parent or a competent therapist or boss or professional. If you admit that you have anxiety or some depression, which is why I publicly am talking more about my own struggles. I'm still able to perform all of my duties. I'm a human being. I'm going to experience a full range of emotions and it's very reasonable to normalize that. And recently I was talking on my social media about my, my exhaustion, my chronic fatigue, also my depression. And it was helping other people feel very supported. It was normalizing for them. And it was really beautiful to have them come out of the woodwork. I remember when I was a child and I was struggling with some issues and I wanted to get into therapy. My mom was like, don't tell people therapy is for people that are, you know, have, have issues, quote unquote. And it's like, you mean all of us? Because as I grew up and became a therapist, I did learn that a lot of individuals do think it is only for people that are sick, bad, or broken. Therapy is for everyone. Everyone could use some therapy. Everyone could use some couples therapy if they're in a relationship. We we are not in a culture that has good values. We often should not take the advice of our friends. It, therapy is great for everyone. Even if they're not quote unquote struggling, it's a good place to really figure out how to be better, how to do some explorative work, how to recenter meanings and goals and passion in your life. And also for people that are maybe struggling with emotional exhaustion. Now, when I was on my social media, I was saying that my exhaustion is not due to needing sleep. Although part of my chronic fatigue is tied to that. Um, I am at some point soon going to need to take some time off from everything and just really rest and heal. My body's definitely overloaded and I won't allow myself because of my self-esteem and self-worth to, to let that happen due to work. But emotionally speaking on that level, that's not healed by rest. That is healed by centering your life around self-care and things that bring you joy and things that you're passionate about. It's about finding meaning and value in your world. And I make that distinction because I want people to know that sometimes that doesn't mean you have to... Um, like I said, sleep more, take time off. It's that you have to reorganize what maybe your day or your weekends are centered around. And I'm finding myself more and more saying to people, how often are you resting? What kind of self-care are you doing? Are you finding joy in your day, in your week, in your month, in your year? And I want someone to have an answer to all of those. What, what did you do that was joyful today? Every day you should do something full of joy every week and every month and every year. Plan it, build it in, put benchmarks in. If your day has no joy in it, your day is not centered around the right things. It shouldn't just be, well, I worked all day. Great. But you work so that you can have time for some joy. Joy should come before that. So build that in. Now, emotional exhaustion, what are the signs? Well, the first thing is, is that if everything's feeling overwhelming, if you don't feel like you have the capacity to manage even the smallest things, right? If some of the things that normally are neutralized or not a big deal are feeling really big, that is a sign of some emotional exhaustion. When everyday emotions are starting to consume you, you've gotten to the point where the smallest little emotions, bumps in the road or obstacles kind of throw you off, right? That's like the saturation point, right? It's tipping over into that. Also, if you find yourself being hyper, hypersensitive to things, things again that normally wouldn't feel like a big deal, maybe traditionally if someone takes a little longer to text you back or they're not as thoughtful or, what, or whatnot or they leave things out, you're kind of like, oh, but now everything's feeling pointed and sharp. Everything's making you feel bad. Again, hypersensitivity. Because remember, it takes energy to deal with people. It takes energy emotionally to deal with our own emotions. It takes energy emotionally to cope with a lot of what life throws at us. And if you're not feeling emotionally grounded and instead you're emotionally exhausted, you aren't gonna be coming from a place of a firm foundation. And so anything added on top of that is gonna feel very overwhelming and very destabilizing. 
So again, hypersensitivity, the smallest things feeling overwhelming. Also, if you're just feeling defeated, if you're looking around and really just taking note of your life and you're realizing like, I just don't really feel as though it's that hopelessness, it's that helplessness. You're not really looking ahead and feeling great about the rest of the day, tomorrow, this weekend. This sense of like, again, looking around and not really finding meaning, value, or joy in what's around you, that might not be about what's around you. It might again be, you are emotionally exhausted, right? You can feel in your body. Every time I say the word emotional exhaustion, I keep putting my hand on my chest because I can just like feel it in my own body. That's huge. Also, if you're struggling to find the ability to kind of push in or push through. You wake up and you're like, I don't think I can even get out of bed, but yet I just slept. And that's where there's a little bit of a crossover in depression, but depression can be an outcome of emotional exhaustion. It feels depressive, feels depressing. You're thinking, I don't know if I have what it takes to get through this day. Also, you're looking at the day thinking it doesn't really provide a lot of meaning or value to me or joy. But that's also, I mean, here's the thing. I'm not, emotional exhaustion isn't bad. It's a sign that your life isn't focused correctly or what's centered isn't meaningful. For some individuals, the sign that they don't want out of, the, the fact that they don't want to get out of bed is a sign that like there's nothing meaningful to get out of bed for. And the question is, is it that I need some self-care or is it that the things that are before me, I need to reorient? Because that's what happens when some people change their job, they leave a relationship, they set new boundaries, the, the new hobbies. I mean, you have to start to center these other things that are going to be not just enhancing and nourishing, but also meaningful and valuable. Because again, remember, we're not talking about physical fatigue. And so the cure isn't necessarily going to be behavioral or objective or concretized or material or something you can touch. It's often philosophical. It's often about meaning. It's often about value. Um, those are the things you want to think about. And then finally, another sign that's really big is if you're feeling very emotional, your expressiveness of your emotions or the weight of them or the uh, dramaticness level of them, right? They're extreme, right? The length of time that you're having them, you're, the, the traditional anxiety or depression is just feeling bigger and bolder or you're finding yourself having your day punctuated with crying. That's another sign that there's emotional exhaustion because you're not as able to compartmentalize or regulate or kind of carry that with you. And so again, that's that sign of that emotional exhaustion. So again, the way through that is to acknowledge that it's asking for something. It's not about just getting rid of it. It's saying, what is this speaking to? What is it asking for? If this exhaustion could speak and call out, what would it say? And this is also maybe a sign to get into some therapy and to really process and work with that because this isn't necessarily something that's solved with this show or this week or a few therapy sessions. It might be a larger meaning-making piece that you have to use and build around your life. So sit with that. When we come back, we're going to talk about toxic monogamy and uh, some forms that fall under it. And this is going to be something I want to talk more about because I'm constantly seeing these amazing memes and posts that are just make me shake my head, put my hand to my face. Uh, all right, listening to Love Live with Dr. Chris on the new channel Q and radio.com. All right, we're back. And uh, question of the night is up on our Loveline IG page, as always. So uh, bust on over to that in the stories and answer that. We'll be breaking that on down uh, later in the show. DM's coming up next. So right now we're going to talk about toxic monogamy. Again, toxic monogamy does not mean monogamy is toxic. Toxic monogamy means certain forms of the way we run our relationships are. And another word for this is actually uh, emotional abuse. So some of the things that are very normal and traditional in our culture 
are emotionally abusive and they've been standardized. And I see these memes and these stories and I'm thinking that is not healthy and that's not someone in a loving, you know, healthy relationship and there's some work to be done or someone needs to leave that. But we get familiar hearing it because we see it in movies, we hear it in songs, it's the advice our friends give us. And so I wanna talk more about it because even if you don't like the term, is my monogamous relationship toxic? We do wanna use the term then maybe, is it emotionally abusive and how can I improve that? Because, you know, physical abuse, you need to get out. Emotional abuse, you want to sit down and talk about if it's safe and confront it in yourself or in your partner. And if they're willing to stick around and work on it, great. And if not, then you got to go because that is bad for us in terms of our mental health and functioning, right? So here's one of the big ones. It was posed on a question. The question was, would you delete your social media for a relationship? Now, the reason why I'm bringing up this question that was posed in this meme is everyone's answers is a lot of people come from a place of threat and jealousy. They think that if I'm in a relationship, I own this person and they start to see everyone else as a threat. And that's not going to lead to trust or empowerment or autonomy. And again, when we enter a relationship, our life should flourish. This person being brought in should make us better. It should expand our life. Our life shouldn't have to shrink down. It certainly shouldn't have to shrink down to meet the needs of our partner. Our partner, it's okay if our partner is made uncomfortable sometimes. If you are leading a life full of integrity, it's okay to disappoint your partner. It's okay to have boundaries and privacy. We talk about that all the time. No one should ever have to delete their social media. Now I say this until I'm blue in the face. If you trust your partner and your partner trusts you, then these are things we need to push out. If though you're in a relationship with someone who's not worthy of trust, you need to get out. And if you, but if it's you that you need to learn to trust, stick around and learn how to do that work. But deleting your social media, no. Because again, if we trust our partner, it doesn't matter. We know that no matter what they're doing on their social media, all is well, because they are worthy of trust and will act from that place. They will uphold boundaries and they will always think about their behavior from from a role of, not harming someone. Like when I'm in a relationship, I don't do things that would actively make them feel bad or harm them. And so I can be on social media, I can be anywhere and all's gonna be well. And so social media is a powerful outlet for a lot of people to build community. It's for people where they do activism, where they keep up with friends and family, where they learn things, it's educational. I know I curate all my social media to be activistic, educational, to give tips, to empower. I want people to have access to that. But if they're in a relationship with someone who's so threatened by the fact that someone could slide into their DMs, you got work to do. Because if you trust your partner, let people slide in their DMs. They're not going to do anything with that or about that. And there shouldn't be a threat. So if you're threatened by the existence of social media, you have work to do. The work when we're uncomfortable jealous isn't about removing and controlling things that make us feel uncomfortable. That's that's That pursuit never ends then. There's, there's always going to be things that make you feel off. It's about grounding yourself in the fact that my partner or my relationship has worth and I trust them. And so these things are, are non-issues and all's well. And this kind of dovetails into the whole, can you be friends with exes, right? And, you know, again, if you trust your partner, you know that they'll uphold boundaries and that they will relate to an ex just from a place of psychological and emotional intimacy. And this is where I really challenge the idea of emotional cheating. Because on one hand, we want to have very intimate, close relationships with those that are in our life, all of our friends. I have a very close, intimate, emotional relationship with everyone that I'm friends with. That's not cheating. Um, I'm, a, I'm allowed to have that. I'm a person, right? Uh, emotional cheating is when it's used in service of building towards sexuality or romance if that is not the agreement you've made with your partner, right? And so if you're in a monogamous relationship, great. 
you are still allowed to have deeply present, honest, and emotional relationships with others, even if it's someone who you were sexual with at some point. That is no longer what's available on the table or how you're relating, but you're still allowed to have all the other threads of what connected you and brought you together in the first place, right? Because again, like I said, relationships shouldn't shrink our lives down. They shouldn't limit us. Being in a romantic relationship, which we don't have to be in, should be something that's enhancing. And if it's not feeling like your life is bigger, better, or enhanced, check in on that. Conflict, yeah, that's life. Fighting sometimes, sure, that's part of a relationship. But it shouldn't be toxic. It shouldn't make us feel bad. It shouldn't make our life worse off. It shouldn't shrink our life down. It shouldn't be about limits. That's, that's not the whole point or the purpose. And so if you're relating to this, I'd want the first thing to be about you sitting down and having a conversation with yourself. Is it work I need to do with me? Is it work I need to do with my partner? Do I need to reorient the structure? Do I need to set new rules? Uh, maybe I need to leave because they're not gonna be open to that. Are they mature? I mean, this is where this all gets flushed out is how we manage these things. How you and your partner deal with this uh, conflict or differing opinions speaks a lot to how healthy and what kind of future you can expect from them. So. Really pay attention to that. We're going to talk more about that. So coming up next, we're going to be sliding into the DMs, and then we're going to be talking about a little bit of a punchy, controversial topic, the positive benefits psychologically and sexually of porn. Porn is something that really gets scapegoated and a lot of negative things attached to it, but we're going to talk about some of the positives and actually also clarify some of the research. So uh, come back and join us for that. You're listening to Loveline with Dr. Chris on the new channel Q and on radio.com. All right, we are back, and now it's time to slide into those DMs. Sliding into the DMs. Sliding the DMs is brought to you by our friends at Trojan Condoms because it's a big old sex world, and we want you to explore it with confidence. Here we go. Hey, Dr. Chris, my name is Amber, and I've been single for about three years, all by choice. I'm 32 and eventually want kids, but I don't want to wait for a man to have them. I'll be ready soon, and if I'm with someone, awesome. If not, I'll be okay. I was wondering if maybe you had any suggestions or thoughts about the pros and cons of artificial insemination, IVF, or just going out and finding an attractive guy. Wow, that's a big question. <laughs> and it's really a very personal thing. Um, I think that anyone who wants to be a parent should do the work of making sure that they have the kind of life, lifestyle, and support that they need to be the kind of parent they want to be, right? Um, taking on that role, whether you're married or not, or wealthy or not, or whatever it is, um, is big. It changes you. It's one of the most transformative relationships you can have, right? Because all of a sudden your life becomes about someone else's. So, you know, I say that to anyone who wants to relocate or get a pet or make any other big changes. Just make sure you have the kind of lifestyle that can manage that, but also how's your mental health and do you have the needed supports? Because this is all entering with a foundation in place. And if your mental health isn't so great, you don't feel like you have the needed supports, maybe work on that first. Uh, work on getting a more robust, uh, higher level of mental health, work on getting supports in place. But if that's already there and you're ready, well then I think that that's a really beautiful thing. That's something that a lot of people find a lot of joy and value in. Um, and so those methods are gonna be better for some and not for others. Um, I would do the research, look at really what each entails because there is a financial cost and also a time and energy piece. Um, so look into that, talk to people, find others that might've gone through that process. I think that that's really meaningful. Ask them what to them was the upside and the downside. Uh, talk to family and friends. 
Uh, but I just think it's not something you should rush into. Do the research. A lot of great stuff is out there written about it. I'm not going to hold your hand through all of it. I feel like this is something you can Google, talk to the different facilities and, and centers that are offering these services and find out what they recommend, find out what the cost is going to be. And again, more importantly, look at your mental health and your life. The current way your life is structured, is this something that you can take on? Because you don't want to make your life or the life of the child more pressured. But I think being a single parent is great. What children need is caregivers. It doesn't matter how many there are, what their gender is. Maybe you can co-parent with a friend. Uh, maybe a new partner will like to co-parent. I don't know. But um, I appreciate where you're at with that. I just think it's something you have to personally explore because what's right for one person isn't right for another. I've worked with couples and individuals that have gone through all those different methods, right? Um, and they've all had different outcomes. Uh, most of them very, very, very positive. But you really yourself have to kind of explore what artificial insemination, IVF, and just even parenting with another individual is like. We learn a lot about who we are, you know. Um, but I think that I, I'm glad that we live in a technological time where there's a lot of options. But they're not short term and a lot of them are very expensive. <laughs> and that's something you have to really look at, you know. That tends to be some of the things that prevent or really make someone feel like they're ready for that. So look into that, but I think that's good. I mean, that's what's so great about the time we're in is there's so many alternative ways where there's a time when there's a lot more guilt and shame around singledom, single parenthood, um, even same-sex parenting. And now we can look to public figures and celebrities and all these different methods and seeing that family is very colorful, creative um, structure. It's not as standardized as it once was, right? And so, um, yeah, go on that journey. Let me know how it goes though. Circle back and let me know what you found out because I think there's a lot of other individuals that are wondering what's best for them. Uh, it's just too personal for me to, really, it's kind of like when someone asked me to help them also choose like a sex toy. I know that seems very different in terms of impact, but they're both so personal that it's just one of those questions where I can't really help someone determine what's gonna be the right method for them. But um, good luck with that. All right, y'all, coming up, we're going to be talking about signs of abuse. It's the emotional abuse and the psychological abuse that tend to kind of fly under the radar because a lot of things that are actually toxic and abusive have become normalized in our culture. They're very familiar. They're things we might be doing or seeing our friends doing. So we're going to talk about those things because we don't want to negatively impact someone. That is not the point of dating or relationships. And uh, of course, then we'll be doing question of the night, which is on our Loveline IG page in the story. Some time to weigh in on that and then as always closing out with some dms you're listening to loveline with dr chris on the new channel q and radio.com all right we're back and we're going to talk about mask anxiety now the reason why this is really interesting because you see all the memes and the stories of people that are talking about panicking and not being able to breathe and i want to just say that there is some legitimacy to that not that they aren't going to be able to use a mask but because it's not something that is natural for us. We are not trained like some people that have to wear masks of different kinds for different kinds of jobs to get familiar and comfortable and to also train our bodies to not see it as something to have a panic response around, right? And so there is a thought process behind all this, right? Because when we're wearing a mask, if there's anything over our face, our natural unconscious response is, is for our body to detect that we're not getting the resources we need to survive, the air. Like our body is supposed to have a suffocating response when we initially have something covering our face. It's supposed to tell our body to remove it or try to protect ourselves. So any kind of panic or anxiety is a natural reaction that's intended to save our lives. Like our body is supposed to be doing that. So your body's working, you know what I mean? Like we're not soldiers trained how to wear these masks 
Well, I'm not a scuba diver, right? So this is a very uncommon thing. So my body needed time to kind of settle down. And I've seen that happening when I'm doing some kind of cardio where there's moments where I have to do some self-talk because my body initially has a sense of get it off, get it off, get it off. And I'm hypersensitive and very claustrophobic. And so I need a lot of space around me. And part of my claustrophobia, and this is to see if others can relate to this, is having things like on me. I can't have a lot of things on me. I can't wear a mask and a hat and glasses and gloves. It's a lot. It starts to really stress my body out. And so for me, there's a lot of things I have to do. And some of these fall under the tips I'm going to give you. So the first one is learn how to control your breathing. We do want to know that our nervous system the one way we can control it and really soothe ourselves is to control our breath. Controlling our breath and working with our breath is life-changing. And, and, and so controlling your breathing, learning how to slow down, learn how to trust our body, trust the mask will help. And you might want to do that at home before you've exited. So you can practice getting familiar and comfortable with it. For some people, maybe you want to practice wearing the mask for longer periods of time while at home so you can take breaks. But you want to learn how to control your breath. Inhale for four seconds, hold your breath for seven, exhale for eight. Just get really familiar with the mask on and different levels of holding, expelling. Also, gradually learn how to tolerate it. For some people, just to go out in the world and have to wear it for a full day is going to be very overwhelming and very threatening, right? It's a lot of intensity. It's a long period of time to, to have something covering what are your mass, massive ways for inhaling and exhaling your nose and your mouth. And so again, practice at home. It's like anything else. Before you go out into the world, uh, maybe with a pair of shoes that aren't comfortable, you practice wearing around the house to break them in. Uh, high heels. I've never worn them, but they look ridiculously impossible to wear. I'm sure people have practiced wearing those at home before they went out in the world stumbling around. You know what I mean? Or maybe not. I don't actually know how that goes, but you want, it's practice. Also controlling timing and location, going out maybe for small periods of time so that if you get uncomfortable, you can get back to your car, get home very quickly. And that's what some people do with social anxiety or agoraphobia is they go out of the house for short periods of time knowing that they have control and that they can exit when they need to. We don't just plop them down on a bus or a train that's hours long and say, deal with it. That actually adds more trauma and panic. That's actually not helpful. I don't agree with the idea of just you know throwing someone in a pool and saying, you'll figure out how to swim. That can actually really traumatize them and make them have a, a, a more uh, intense fear of, let's say, the water because they actually don't will learn how to swim while doing that. So it doesn't have the positive outcome that you're looking for. But also finding the right mask that's, that, that's for you. My mom, initially, the mask that she had gotten was way too thick. And that was a real concern because it actually wasn't making it as easy for her to practice and to calm down her anxiety. And so we had to get her one that was far thinner, more breathable, but also one that would still protect her. Uh, she had reached out and talked to her doctor. She also has respiratory issues, so that was really meaningful. Um, and, and so, yeah, so do that. Know that there are different fabrics that are going to be um, more intensive. I initially had gotten one that actually was also very thick. It wasn't meant to be worn for a long period of time and it was more fashion-based. And so it wasn't really centered in, oh, go to the gym or go spend your entire day out of the house wearing this, especially in the heat or the sun. And so there's thinner ones that will be more breathable, more comfortable. Um, and, and finally, just remind yourself why you're doing it. Like when something has meaning and value, it makes it more tolerable. You're not just doing it for the heck of it. You're doing it for a real purpose. You're protecting yourself and also others. And that's what kind of shifts our relationship to and our experience of something when there's actually something really meaningful and legit behind it. So remind yourself, 
You know what I mean? It's not a loss of control. It's also you taking control, taking control of your impact on others. Because again, this is something that's mandated. Again, here in LA where I live, you will get fined for not wearing one and all the stores mandate in order to enter to wear one. And so this is just kind of a part of life. This isn't something that you get to weigh in on whether or not you're down with it. This is this is absolutely something you have to participate in. And finally, remember to clean them. I hadn't thought about that for a minute. And I realized that like I was wearing one that hadn't been cleaned uh, recently. And that's going to lead to maybe your face getting um, irritated, breaking out, uh, a rash, just general hygiene. Uh, you're wearing it out in the world, so there's stuff on the outside of it. Sometimes you flip it and you're wearing it inside out at times. So wash it. You can wash it in the sink, hot water and soap, general hot water and soap in a mug. That's what I do. I don't put it in the dishwasher. Uh, I don't run it through the um, washer or dryer. I just kind of clean it in the sink, hand wash it. It's really simple. All right, coming up next, we're going to talk about sexuality, all the different kinds that can show up. And again, this is also just because we want to be prepared for what's coming behind us, raise our kids aware, and also just have a sense of security and confidence. And it also helps people identify who they are in the world, which normalizes. And that is what we call mental health. All right. You're listening to Love Line with Dr. Chris on the new channel Q and radio.com. Alrighty. We're back and we're talking about signs of abuse. Important to talk about this. I will continue to talk about things like this frequently because a lot of these things have become normalized. I hear people in conversations, also in movies and songs, say some of these really abusive things that they're doing or someone else has done and they laugh or they support it. And remember, you wanna be a positive influence on having been brought into someone's life, right? You don't want to date someone and be brought in and have a negative influence on them. And if you're doing that, check yourself. Again, all of this work is always about examining ourselves and our behavior first and then applying it to see and check in on the health of those, you know, that we're in relationship to. But remember, you want to be good for someone. So that's the first question. Always ask yourself, is my presence in my boyfriend, girlfriend, or partner's life positive for them? Am I beneficial? Or do I make their life harder? Do I make their life more complex? Do I make them unhappy? And how can I be better for them? Start there. And then you can ask yourself, does my partner's presence in my life make me better happy? And if not, talk to yourself, call yourself out and say, what do I need to do so that they're thankful I'm here? No one needs to be in a relationship. We choose to be, and, and it should be something that we want and they want. And then assess your partner. And if it's not going great, talk about it. But if not, get out. Leave relationships that are not working. If you aren't ready to be in someone's life and be positive for them, break up with them. Say, I'm not healthy enough to be in your life. I need to go and vice versa. Some relationships go on far too long. Again, it doesn't matter how much love you have or how much attraction you have. It doesn't mean that the relationship is healthy. And we do want to care and center our mental health, right? And so we do want to always be assessing those things. So the first one's always jealousy. Um, jealousy might happen. We might see something happen or said that makes us uncomfortable, but it shouldn't be an ongoing, all-consuming thing right? We shouldn't be demanding and upset at all times. As we say all the time, our partners are going to go off into the world and participate with friends, with family. We will not always be there. And we need to be in relationships that are rooted in trust and we let them be. We're not texting. Where are you? What are you doing? Who are you with? Send me a picture. When are you coming home? We want to be, again, a positive influence on someone because we've been brought into their life as their romantic partner. And we don't want to be doing that, right? 
So manage that. And I also remind people, just because your partner is jealous or threatened by something doesn't mean you have to honor that. You have a right to say, you know what? I, I can't honor what you're jealous about. I, I don't agree that that's something of worth. I'm really sorry that that's happening. Um, or the opposite. Thank you for bringing that up. I don't mind making that you know small change or shifting that boundary to accommodate that. But again, all, honor, all jealousy is not worth honoring. And it's okay to disappoint and frustrate your partner at times. And that kind of segues into the next piece, which is about elements of control. You know, being brought into someone's life or dating someone should make your life larger, bigger, more fun, more full of joy. It shouldn't shrink it down. It shouldn't be all these new boundaries um, and expectations. So again, your life should be reorganized because now someone new is brought in and you want to do things with them and they're going to positively interrupt your life, but you still should get to keep all your friends. You should get to keep all the priorities that you already had. I always say you still should have nights out with just your friends, maybe time with just your family, still get alone time. Um, because we shouldn't be isolated because of the partner coming into our lives. Being in a relationship should not mean that we no longer see our friends or family or have time alone or get to do our hobbies. Our life shouldn't shrink. It should get bigger. We now have someone new brought in, someone new to introduce us to things, to meet new people. Our lives should get bigger. One of the biggest ones that we want to talk a lot about is violating privacy and boundaries. Being in a relationship with someone does not mean you have a right to go through their stuff, to go through their phone. It makes me baddie when I find out that people are contacting someone's exes and their friends or their family or people they're talking to on social media. Dear God, reel that in. We've gotten very comfortable with that, but you get to have boundaries and privacy being in a relationship. You still get to have pieces of your life that are just for yourself. We don't need to bring them into every element if we don't want to, right? Also, it's really important about the way we talk about and to each other. If you notice that you're constantly talking poorly of your partner when they're not around, maybe that's a sign that the relationship needs to end. Maybe that's a sign that you have deep resentment that can't be worked through. Maybe that means you're with someone you're not meant to be with, or maybe it means that you need to be more grateful <laughs> and talk better and more positive about your partner because that's someone you've chose to continue to be in a relationship with. You don't have to. You can get divorced. You can get separated. You can break up. That's often a very healthy, important thing. We should celebrate that. Oh, I got out of a relationship. Congratulations. Because that tells me that it wasn't right for one of you or both of you. I look forward to hearing about what you do next with your time and energy. You know, it's not always a negative or bad thing. I don't want people sticking around longer than they need to, or they should out of this idea that relational success is that it goes on forever. A lot of relationships are only meant to be very short term, especially if you're engaging in some of these problematic behaviors, right? That's a big part of this. And finally, I wanna just talk about undealt with mental health and addiction. You know, being in a relationship with someone means that they do need to do their own psychological work. It's not enough to just say, this is who I am. People should be looking at their behavior, looking at mental health or addiction problems, and really working on any form of abuse. And abuse isn't always physical. Like we're saying right now, all the things we're talking about right now are emotional abuse and psychological abuse or a form of social abuse. None of that's okay either. And we want to not normalize some of the things that we're normalizing. We are too familiar hearing people talk poorly of each other, going through their phones, all sorts of different things. So be, call yourself out, really examine what impact you've had on the people who you are dating. 
and uh, be open to calling your friends out. If you hear your friends talking about really problematic, abusive behavior that they're engaging in, say to them, that's not okay that you do that. It's important that I tell you that as your friend and vice versa. I need to tell you that the fact that your husband, wife, boyfriend, girlfriend does that, that's actually abusive. And you need to shut that down, set a boundary, or you need to get out. We need to be better friends and kind of call that out. All right, y'all, coming up next, question of the night. Yep, that's on our Love Line IG page, and the stories weigh in on that. We'll be back. You're listening to Love Line with Dr. Chris on the new channel Q and on radio.com. All right, we're back, and uh, now it's time for our question of the night. Tonight's question of the night is, what holiday tradition should we get rid of immediately? There's a lot of them. These are going to be good. Let's see what you said. First one, mistletoe. Hate giving my brother a kiss. Yeah, I got to love that mistletoe. I didn't know people still did that. I thought that, that to me, that's something very like 50s and 60s. But again, as always, consent, y'all. No one has a right to force a kiss on you, and you don't have to take a kiss. So, um say no or don't stand under it uh other traditions we should get rid of someone said the rapey baby it's cold outside song yeah i know that finally got uh brought forward like hey this isn't really consenty um we're, we're we're changing so much we are changing so much true 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 someone else said in general forcing kids to hug kiss and accept tickets from relatives when it's uncomfortable we mean accept tickets, but uh, yes, we should not force kids to hug or kiss anyone. We want to train them to have boundaries, cons- honors consent, understand it, body autonomy. So it should be a question. Do you feel like kissing or hugging? If not, do you want to just say hello and wave? You know, we want to, uh, children have a right to feel safe and comfortable as well. It's not that adults comfort and whatnot means more and etiquette shouldn't mean more manners than someone's mental health. And we can't expect children to out of the blue at one age, at some random age, understand consent and boundaries if we don't start teaching it at home from a young age. It's like kids know that they have a right to decide how their body is touched and how it's seen and who can see it. It's a good one. Question tonight was what uh, tradition should we get rid of? Someone else said Christmas music everywhere. I know it's hard. It can get exhausting. Some people think it's corny. Some people aren't ready for it. Some people just don't want to honor it. It can feel like it's forced on us. I appreciate that. Um, holidays bring up a lot of different stuff for us. Someone else said Thanksgiving. I appreciate that. So yeah, you know, we're, we're working hard on that one, Thanksgiving, letting people know that um, it's rooted in a lot of racism and genocide and spreading of a pandemic. It's I thought we were kind of making strides into that. It's okay to move away from a colonized, uh, white-centric understanding of history. So we can be more honest. It's okay to be honest about what a holiday or a public figure, the impact they had or what, what their work was rooted in. Like, it's okay to acknowledge that, you know? Um, so I agree with that. Someone else said gag gifts. Yeah. Yeah, I get that. It can That can really throw some people off. Okay, I might hear you a little bit. Forcing your kid to sit on Santa's lap if they're uncomfortable. That's another one I found creepy. Yeah, like your kid's miserable. And I know you want that photo, but like, you know, honor where your kid's at. Like that's very traumatic. I always found that very traumatic as a child. Someone else said focusing on capitalist consumption, teaching your kids that's how to celebrate. I know a lot of the holidays are centered too much in presentation and gift giving and not enough in, hey, it's just about having time off, spending time with family members. You don't have to spend money, give a gift. You don't have to go over the top with decorations. It's about being together. I, I We have kind of missed the point a little bit. I'm seeing some people that are overly stressed about uh, time requirements and money spent and they're just not there. And we need to have the holidays done in a way that feels comfortable to everyone. And so some people are opting out of gift giving completely or just 
this year. I've even talked about how sometimes you choose one person and just one person gets a gift. Talk about traditions. We're talking about the ones that we need to get rid of. Someone said um, family get-togethers. <laughs> but you have a right to do that. You have a right to stop going to family get-togethers because of whatever it is. It's too big of a financial impact on you. The travel's too far. The family's toxic. You can reorient when. You're allowed to change the date of a holiday. Um, you're allowed to do whatever you want. You can move Christmas. You can move your birthday and say, I want to celebrate it a week after. That's just not the best week for me. Holiday, you know, Holidays should meet the needs of people, not people meeting the needs of holidays. Holidays aren't a, aren't a thing. They're an idea. That's an idea that we made up. You know what I mean? It's not rooted in anything other than history and tradition. And that's allowed to be updated and changed to meet the needs of people, right? So other holidays we need to get rid of. If someone said seeing extended family you don't like oh please do not do that anymore bam get rid of that mistletoe again someone said it leads to more awkward moments than romantic ones yes justin that is true <laughs> i again i've never had any i don't know that i've ever been anywhere that had mistletoe i'm that is far outside of the scope of my experience uh someone else said elf on the shelf it's creepy also forced photos of children with Santa or the Easter Bunny. There's nothing more unsettling than seeing a horrified child on the Easter Bunny or Santa Claus's lap. I agree with that. Wait till they're a little bit older. Maybe wait till they feel more comfortable. Um, the things we do to children. Oh my God. Uh, we're talking about things we need to get rid of that are holiday traditions. Someone said white Santa photos. I agree. Santa is not necessarily one specific race or skin tone, right? We need black Santas, especially if you're a person of color or someone who's black. You want to see yourself reflected back. I, I appreciate that. Santa's not white. He's everything, right? Same thing with Jesus. Jesus wasn't white. But it's fascinating how his representation is always one of whiteness. We understand why, but yes. Other uh, holiday traditions we need to get rid of. Someone said uh, sitting on an old man's lap. Yes, yes, yes. Someone else said socks as presents. I think some people don't really know what to do. They go, they go. you know, what's, some, what's something that everyone uses? Most people use socks, not everyone, but I appreciate that one. And uh, finally, let's go with this one. Telling kids Santa's real makes poor kids think Santa doesn't care about them. Wow, well said. You're right. You're right, not everyone has the ability to participate in that, um, in that myth or that celebration of the Santa. And you're right, people that don't have finances are gonna feel like they were ignored by Santa. We have to talk more about that. That's actually a really beautiful, powerful perspective, the classism in the Santa story. I appreciate that. <clears throat> All right, y'all, coming up next, we're gonna be sliding into those DMs. You're listening to Loveline with Dr. Chris on the new channel Q and radio.com. All right, y'all, we're back now. It's time to slide into those DMs. Sliding into the DMs. Sliding the DMs is brought to you by our friends at Trojan Condoms because it's a big old sexy world. We want you to explore with confidence. Here we go. Hey, Dr. Chris, my name is Angelica. At the start of the pandemic, my ex-girlfriend moved in with me. She was the girlfriend at the time, I think. I can't really get a read on that. So about six or seven months ago, I've come to realize that we just aren't compatible as romantic partners, but we've become best friends through this. So I told her that, but can keep being roommates and figure things out once we get our jobs back and all that. In the meantime, I started talking to this new girl online and I invited her over for a movie date with me. My now roommate freaked out and said that was disrespectful of her space, which is actually my space. <laughs> but I'm being disrespectful? I think she's jealous. But I've communicated every single step of the way so I don't know if there's much more I can do. See, here's where it gets funky because I do want us to care about the impact our behavior's having on our roommate. We live together, and when you cohabitate, you do have to all feel comfortable about who's coming over, what's happening when they come over, 
And at the same time, you both get to live your own lives. So it's like that weird combination of we both want to consider the impact on each other and we both get to live our lives. And if one or both of you are single, understandably, part of being single and dating is having people over. Now, it's further complicated by the fact that you live with your girlfriend. So you really need to make sure you have a nailed down conversation about what's to be expected. If it is literally your place, great, but your roommate and ex-girlfriend now live there, which means it's her place too, and she has a right to feel safe and in control as well. I don't ever really support the idea of it's my place. If you move someone in, it then becomes their place as well, and you need to cater to that to some element. And if it's really not working because you yourself feel as though you're not comfortable with how your roommate slash ex-girlfriend's responding, talk to her about moving out. It's People can move out right now. We're in a pandemic, but people are still moving. There are tons of apartments. In some places, it's actually cheaper now than it was before you get a place. So that's kind of what I'm hearing. You want to be dating, having people over. Your ex-girlfriend's not comfortable with it, whether it's jealousy or privacy. So it's not going to work out that you two live together because you're looking, obviously, to start dating. So that's the first conversation, saying to her, hey, listen, we need to talk about um, you relocating. How can that comfortably happen, and when can that happen, and how can I help you? That's the number one goal. That is the biggest thing I'm hearing in this. Because even if you say to this girl, you can't come over right now, I'll just come over and see you at your place, that doesn't resolve the fact that you two aren't going to be able to be roommates because that that you know going out of the house to go on dates isn't going to be a long-term solution. And uh, what are we waiting for? Unless there's a financial issue as to why she can't move out, now is as great a time as any. Um, so that's what I'd start to have a conversation around is moving out. And then depending on when that can happen, the secondary conversation is, listen, I'm single. I want to be dating. What are you comfortable with and what are you not comfortable with? Not in terms of me dating because as a single person, you don't get to weigh in on that. But you do get to weigh in on us having others over. Whether it's a date or a friend or a family member, what is our comfort level about others coming over? Because we live together and we're in a pandemic. So it shouldn't matter whether it's a date or non-date. What is our working theory as roommates about having guests? And you nail that down. And maybe it's you have them over, but they only spend time in your room and the common space is just for the two of you or not. You guys have to work that out. You're adults. It's kind of like figuring out a cleaning chart. I I trust you'll figure that out. But set down rules about what do we do when we have someone else over? Do we just hang out with them alone in our room? Uh, because I'll, I'll honor that part. Whatever, if you have your own bedroom, you get to do whatever you wanna do in that bedroom as long as it doesn't impact other people you live with. So yes, you have my permission to go on as many dates as you want in your own private bedroom. As far as the common space and having people over, that's something you need a general rule about. If one of you wants to invite another person over, friend, family member, lover, sex partner, hookup, girlfriend, whatever, what is our rule about having people over? And the larger one is we shouldn't be living together anymore. It's too soon, it's too fresh, and you're ready to date, you know? And then everyone's happy. Good luck with that, though. It's a really funky, funky, tough one. All right, Joe, that is our show. Please center this weekend in self-care, tons of self-care. We got to be kind on ourselves and others. Tons of self-care, tons of joy and pleasure, and rest as much as possible, not pushing ourselves. Uh, check out past episodes of Loveline over at wearechannelq.com, as well as my live stream show, I'm Listening Live. It's on all the radio.com handles. You can check out past episodes over there. It's on the YouTube, Facebook, and Twitter. Always interviewing experts and celebrities about COVID, the pandemic, mental health, self-care. Um, yeah. Question of the night's back up on our Love on IG page and the story, so weigh in on that. And uh, got any DMs, drop them in our DMs on our Love on IG page. Otherwise, y'all, weekend's coming, like I said, self-care. But uh, thanks for hanging out, and uh, hope you have a beautiful, beautiful rest of your night.